Today on Gamer Red Radio, we talk about three different tournaments the good, the bad, and the meh. Gamer Red Radio starts now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Gamerhead Radio. I am uh, Goat. Brought the fancy pants back just in time. Goat. <laughs> and they so fancy. Ooh, you so fancy. <laughs> I'm Charlie Technotronic on Worthley. Candy Mountain, Charlie. And I am Jonathan Santiago, a.k.a. Fallon Flynn. We're being civilians! Come on! So, uh, what did you guys been doing this week? Uh, working my ever-living butt off between uh, getting ready for all the E3-related stuff uh, for the show and also getting ready. Uh, I mean, we, you know, we're in the final stretch for MLP, MSP. Um, the the excitement and the hype are equal to the uh, lack of any sort of free time, which, what, um, yeah. What was that show term you used a couple a couple of weeks ago? Nervous-sided? Is that what it oh, was? Uh, Nervous-sided, yes. There you go. Yes. Yeah, your, your calendar definitely funneled... Everything together for you. Yeah. Yes, bottlenecked yes, quite a bit. Yeah. Um, combined with uh, yeah, the fact that um, our, our, we're we're doubling up on our trip. Like MLP MSP was always going to be a vacation for me and Michelle mm-hmm. um, before I got involved with actually working on the con. And so um, part of that, uh, part of getting Michelle talking Michelle into driving, you know, eight hours up to <laughs> you know Minneapolis um, was uh, pro- the promise of stops of many breweries on the way. Mm-hmm. And so figuring that itinerary also took several. Uh, 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 some of my time up this week, and so it's going to be good. We're going to be uh, starting our day off at New Glarus, which opens at 10 a.m., so we'll be leaving here at about quarter to eight to be able to get there, like right when they open, to get things started as early as possible. And then um, we're stopping at a little brew pub outside of... Uh, of uh, I forget where it's... it's off, off, off on the side. I, I, unfortunately, a lot of the ones we wanted to stop at um, aren't going to be open early enough for us to get there in time, but we're going to go up and we're going to make it up to uh, Lining Kugels, and um, another small brew pub in that area, and then we're going to end at uh, Surly in Minneapolis, which I am so freaking excited about. That's uh, that's a brewery I'm very I've wanted to go to for some time. So. It sounds to me like the the mixture of uh, of a beer and My Little Pony. It's just like the, I would never have imagined in a million years. Like the two things, two great tastes taste great together. Apparently, <laughs> yes. not that the ponies taste great, but <laughs> yes. you know what I'm I, I I would not know about that one. Um, but uh, but yeah. Well, I hope you get a badge for being at all those places in one day. <laughs> Well, at the very least, I will up uh, there. There's an untapped badge called uh, called uh, "Found the Source" or something like that for checking in at breweries, mm-hmm. and you get you level up like every five. So, at the very least, I'll level up that day. So, <laughs> <laughs> you need to you need to get while you're at the convention, you need to get all like super sauced and show them your dance moves. I just I want to see what dance command. Let me be Charlie very clear, does. John. <laughs> uh, there are no dance moves. Um, I, I do not dance. That's something that, um, that, uh, just, just nobody wants to see that. And, um, look, I, my hope, my wish is to see you drink enough beer that you invent a dance move. <laughs> like, like something My Little Pony themed, like the, what would you call it? The, uh, the what bony this? pony brony zamboni. That's what we would call it. That's, that's Charlie's So you want, you want Charlie one, one step before, uh, Dark Lark. Yeah, it's true. That's I, oh man, let's, we, we don't speak of that. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, let's just. Uh, did you guys do anything else interesting this week? Or no, I uh, I went to a wedding and uh, kept it quiet this week. That's it. Nice and simple for me. Fair enough. Uh, so all I've been doing is on the phone and finalizing and trying to find out where my suitcase is. Sounds about right. So, 
All right, and uh, so before we get into what we've been playing, coming out this week, uh, on June 9th, we're looking at the Elder Scrolls Online, the Tamriel Unlimited. Uh, It's coming out for PS4 and Xbox One. Uh, Operation Abyss, New Tokyo Legacy on the PS Vita. On the 11th, we've got Adventures of Pip coming out for the Wii U. I just like saying Pip. I feel like that should be said exactly like that. Uh, And Dr. Mario Miracle Cure is coming out on the 3DS. On the 12th, we've got Lego Jurassic World coming out for everything, uh, specifically Windows 360, Xbox One, PS3, PS4, Vita, Wii U, and 3DS. But is it coming out on the Ouya? Okay, not everything. Mm. Uh, everything that counts, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor. And man. then uh, on the so that's on the twelfth, and then uh, that's it this week. On uh, and uh, you know, I know a lot of people are looking forward to uh, the sixteenth Payday Two Crime Wave editions coming out for PS4 and Xbox One. I know there was some big, there are a lot of fans of the original Payday. And then on the twenty third, uh, the big release is going to be Batman Arkham Knight coming out on PS4, Xbox One, and Windows. Uh, so yeah, so you guys like weirded out here because there's a lot of games. This Big is games a, coming out right this before is a weird, E3. Weird time of year for um, and usually for the releases, games that come out yeah. like Payday Two. If you come out during E3, you're dead in the water. Yeah, yeah. You know what though? Um, let's be realistic. In the next couple weeks, the same way that that you know The Witcher, you know, mopped the floor with everybody a couple weeks back, it's going to be the same. And then Mortal Kombat the weeks, few weeks before that. It's going to be Arkham Knight. I'm, I know, like, I'm not a necessarily a day one game person. I yeah. usually wait for a minute to make sure shit's not, I'm not buying broken stuff or, you know, but nope, I will be there to throw my hard-earned money at them so that I can rub my face in the bosom of the bat. I am definitely not looking forward to all the social media your brother's going to throw at us. <laughs> yes, yes, it'll be good. Might need to use a social fixer and put up a Batman <laughs> filter <laughs> for that week, just get it out of your feed. Yeah, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll go ahead and lead off what we've been playing this week, because I'm going to be quick. Nothing. I didn't touch a damn thing. Um, aside from watching uh, Goat and my lovely wife, Michelle, play some Trivial Pursuit, but I'll let him talk about that. <laughs> amazing. It's just amazing. <laughs> this is what it's come to. Yeah. A bunch of old busy. farts playing Trivial Pursuit. That's what the week is now. <laughs> Uh, yes, yes, that, that is accurate. <laughs> Good. Still game, technically it counts. <laughs> uh, so, Go, why don't you uh, let us know, how, how did that go, playing Trivial Pursuit with Well, Michelle? yeah, I, I played Michelle. Um, I got my ass, this a mud hole stomped into it so hard, it went 0-3. <laughs> oh <and> <laughs> yep. 0-3. Oh um, Michelle is dangerous, dangerous at trivia games. Except I geography. Say. I have found yeah. her Achilles heel. <laughs> that's true, that's true. <laughs> I have never heard a woman say so many flagrant things about geography when I picked that category. <laughs> there you go. But uh, no, it was good. It was fine. It was fun playing with somebody that I knew because I've played a couple rounds with the randoms, but nobody talks on it because it's fucking Triple Pursuit. Like, right. You're not like, hey, what's going on? You not, know? not a lot of smack talk to yeah. be. Uh... Oh, Ooh, totally nailed that pie piece. It's yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> how did you not know the War of 1812? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it looked like it ran really well. Look, yeah. the multiplayer was solid. And so. Yeah. And, and Charlie, Charlie, I want to hear what was your uh, now that you've got to see the disconnect from that host. Oh, my God. Yeah, she... I mean, there's phoning it in, and then there's what this lady did. I mean, like, she was... I would not be surprised if she was hypnotized to be able to get through this session, because there was complete and total lack of inflection and emotion in in monotone. It was just like... Like literally, like one of the one of the one of the things that she says, like every time, like it, after a question, that like you know the, the the score pops up on the screen, and she's like, "Thanks for the update." That's one of the things she actually says, just like that. It's like, wow, that was exciting. I mean, like it, it, might, it may as well have been Siri. Probably got, I, an, I mean, probably got an intern to read this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> read this seriously, uh, yeah. I, I hope she was not paid much because Yikes. no. Yeah, yeah. But other than Trivial Pursuit, what else did you get? Uh, into? Hold on, I gotta. Well, while he's pulling that up, John, what yeah. did you get in? 
Um, I didn't get a ton of gaming in this week, um, but I surprisingly, because I didn't really do much else, this was just a nice, quiet week for me, which is a rarity. I'm um, so jealous of you right now. <laughs> I did play a very, very small amount of Mortal Kombat, mostly against Mr. Ryan on, and um, he was not happy about Shen Wei, and, uh, no. and he, he punished me for it, so... <laughs> Um, I think we did seven <laughs> rounds, and he took four out of the seven. So you know, not a crushing defeat, but uh, but I, I I took my I took my licking. Um, I finished uh, chapter one of Resident Evil Revelations two, um, and I found it to be surprisingly way more enjoyable than I thought it would be. And, really? Uh, yeah, I really. Uh, if anybody out there is looking for someone to play it with, I would really like to play it with somebody. Um, you know, it was easily worth the three dollars I got it on sale for, mm-hmm. and it was only an hour forty-five or so. You're you playing know, that I, on PC? No, or? on on oh. Xbox One. Oh, okay. Um, they had a sale on it last month, and I mm. picked it up for three bucks. The first chapter was five bucks or something, okay. six bucks. Um, it was good enough that I am going to pick up a physical copy of the game, and I haven't wanted to buy a Resident Evil game in a while. Um, it just it wasn't that was anything that special about it. It just played well, like it was fun and felt like older Resident Evils somehow uh, to me. Textures were a little muddy, a little bit bland in spots. Lighting was decent. Scares were decent. Atmosphere was okay. Um, but the co-op elements were fun enough. I enjoyed it. Um, still slogging through Child of Light. I really, I'm on chapter 10 out of, I think, 12. So I should be really done in like an hour. I just can't seem to get through that last hour of it because I keep getting distracted by other things. Sure. Um, and I played a little bit of uh, Killer Instinct. Uh, I went back and got to try out Arya finally and uh, get my hands on that character and see how she plays. And she plays pretty well, I'm happy to say. Different, though. Definitely not an, uh, an entry-level character. She's You could tell that they saved her up for, for people who, if they're closing out Season 2, you could tell that they saved her up for people who really wanted to try something a little different. Yeah. Where you have to think in order to... to operate this character appropriately so uh that, that was uh i think that was it for me this week goat uh i got my list uh charlie threw me off there with the uh let's hop in trivia pursuit right away uh let's see i i uh i i, I continued after last week to house it a bit so uh, i played home on the ps4 if you can get your hands on this game it is awesome you it played is. what home Oh, so not PlayStation Home. No. <laughs> oh, no, that's gone. The that, game. that died. Okay. It's, it's that's I, th- I thought so. I was confused. Yeah, not, okay. Yeah, yeah. The game Home okay. on PlayStation 4. Got it. Not PlayStation 4 Home. No, no. Okay, not, got it. No. Uh, it's an 8-bit, like, it, it's an 8-bit little, like, uh, murder mystery kind of thing. I think I have it on PC. Yeah. I think I have it on yeah. Steam. And it plays just like Maniac Mansion. Oh, oh, awesome. You have my attention, sir. Yes. Um, I mean, there's, it, you know, there's dialogue boxes, and it's a side-scroller, and you just go through, and you figure out why this guy isn't at his home. And oh. for an hour and a half, Charlie, you'll love it. It is probably one of the deeper stories I've seen in that small frame time frame. I was like, really? Yeah. Hey, all of a sudden, you're like, what? What? Huh? What a twist! Yeah. Huh. All right. So PS4 exclusive? I or PC? I think. I think it's on PC. Oh, as well. PC. I'm almost okay, positive yeah. I have it on PC. Gotcha. So and then um, since we always talk about being in Surgeon Simulator, I uh, I played it. <laughs> okay, Doctor Goat, paging Doctor Goat. <laughs> that that didn't go well. Um, the the game actually complimented me on my I quote blistering pace of killing the patient in four minutes. Congratulations, them steady <laughs> hands. That's what it is. It's yeah. those bass playing hands. Yeah, not not good. Uh, it's fun, but it's it's very thin. Obviously, um, started digging into my Nindy bundle uh, with Steam World digging my 3ds. Uh, that game's awesome. I might actually pick it up again on Xbox One. I don't know. Oh, it's nice. just It's addicting. 
Um, then, do, do you think that tr- would translate better to a controller and TV over handheld? Or no, I just want the achievements. Um, oh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's actually really nice on my 3DS because I mean, I mean, my new 3DS is obviously jumbotron. So like, let's be honest, I have a mobile television. So right. and it's a fun little, it's a fun little thing. And then the weird one I picked up was Sparkle Unleashed. Yeah, I saw you playing that. Uh, it's it's uh, a, a new, different take on uh, Bust a Move. You have oh, these orbs, right. and they come down these little pipes, and there's these little dudes pushing them, right? Mm-hmm. You gotta get three orbs together, and you can get combos and stuff like that. Uh, shit gets hard. And addicting. Really okay. addicting. Nice. So, um, if you're you know looking for something, that's that's fun for a puzzler. And then I tried Massive Chalice for about, ooh, enough time to realize that's not for me. No. No, 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 no. It's, it's... So what kind of game is it? I remember we, we, we were having trouble figuring that out from the trailer. Yeah, I, I lied to you. I played that, too. <laughs> oh, okay. I have more. Uh, okay. that, that and Sherlock Holmes Crime and Punishment, yeah. but I'm too early to talk about that one. Okay. From what I got a Massive Chalice, it's an RTS kind of board gamey kind of. It reminds me of like Clue like, me- like, meets you. <laughs> it's you, weird. You a lot of what happens at the game. It's almost like a uh, it, it, the actual combat portions of it have a lot in common with like XCOM, the recent XCOM games. Oh, okay. Not not the third person one that was Gears of War style. Yeah, but yeah. The, 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 like Final Fantasy Tactics. The RTS, style. yeah, kind yeah, of a tactics okay. style. RTS on that, but so it has in common with that stuff. But the the core of what makes up the game is you come from various houses and you have to pick the houses and you are sort of lording over this like map and it is up to you to pick from a list of people to create like little like fiefdoms you have to like Hmm. um you know pick somebody to rule over that area and then you have to pick their queen and you have to make sure based on their stats that they're compatible and that they would breed good stock because you need those bred stock to create soldiers um to take back into battle i guess it's kind of like battle fodder like it's there's some really neat ideas in it but it's really tedious Hmm. interesting pretty game neat and i applaud their Coming, trying some original stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think it, you kind of felt the same way, didn't you? Go. Yeah, it's it's awesome, but it's just it's just not for me. Yeah, it's slow. <laughs> it's slow. Gotcha. It's real slow. Maybe it, it gets better later, yeah. but it takes a minute to. My wind biggest up. thing was like you have to you have like five guys, right? And it's mm-hmm. it's it, it reminds me of like Clue. You have to move your five guys individually every time, and I'm like, yeah. can we can we do like a group move? Because there's nothing <laughs> here, and there's not nothing here for a while. So it, that okay. is like XCOM, though, where you have to yeah. move them one at a time, and then you have to decide what they do and who they attack. So it's very similar, sort of like battle systems, but the rest okay. of it built around that. Oh, okay. uh, very. Yeah. Well, I'll check deep. it out because well, it's free. So yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so was Pool Nation FX, and look how that worked out. That, that's very true. Hey, I uh, netted 105 gamer score off that <laughs> three months ago. Xbox, you can be so <laughs> easily bought, goat. <laughs> For, free. for the low price of 105 <laughs> gamer score points. Goat for sale. Um, okay, so unless you guys have anything else? No, that's about no, it. That was now it. that you know we did this last week, let's see what the industry did this last week. Okay, kicking things off this week at number five is a follow-up uh, to our, our discussion about the... Um, the, the 15 games that were picked as finalists to be inducted into the Video Game Hall of Fame. Um, well, they have chosen six games uh, that have officially been inducted into the uh, first Class of the World Video Game Hall of Fame. Uh, they're good. I sound, you know, my car is making a sound like that right now. You think I'm joking. I'll show you after the show. Yeah, it's not your car. I'm hiding in your back seat. It's, it's good. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus, Charlie. <laughs> Fuck, I'm gonna, in my nightmares. God. <laughs> 
Um, well, no, I'm offended. It's good. No, what, what, you think you're going to make that seat, that sound in the backseat of my car in the dark, and I'm going to turn around and embrace you with love? No, yeah. I'm going to turn around and try to karate chop you in the soul. Um, oh. the, it's okay. Just cover right. your soul. All right. I'll Put your soul back in your pants. Okay. Um, the, these, <laughs> the six Is that games, a soul piece? My God. The, the six games inducted into... <laughs> I, I got nothing, man. Uh, that was... This, is, this might be the fastest since I started on the show that we have derailed a news story in the history of news for... So these six games... So the six games that were inducted into the Hall of Fame officially were Doom, Pac-Man, Pong, Super Mario Brothers, Tetris, and World of Warcraft. Um, they were, of course, if you guys recall, based, uh, chosen based on influence, icon status, popularity, and geographical reach. Um, I'm okay with those six, I think. I, yeah, I feel good, good about that, That's a good, good six. I mean, so, Charlie, somebody like yourself, who, who's not an MMO person and didn't play World of Warcraft, do you feel like that was a just decision based on the scope of that game? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, it's not my thing, but I completely respect and acknowledge what it did and, and the influence and impact that it had. I mean, that, uh, that's, you know, it's, it's not my cup of tea, but I understand it's like everybody else's cup of tea, so that's fine. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like maybe it was a coin toss for them between uh, Legend of Zelda and Super Mario Brothers, but between the two, you got to go Super Mario Brothers because that, that was on the original list. It just didn't make the cut. For yeah. The, uh, Mario Brothers... I'm sorry, Mario Brothers kicked the shit out of Link any day. It's, in popularity and yeah, geographical in, reach. In terms of impact and reach and everything, yeah. yeah. Um, the fact that you see, I mean, at the very least, the fact that you see like three or four Mario games a year and a Zelda game every decade. I mean, like yeah, a new yeah. one anyways. Sure. The, only um, thing, the only thing Link or Zelda's got going for right now is it seems to be a lot more popular for tattoos than yeah, Mario. <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it's interesting though. I think there's like four like like original like like old school retro titles on there and then uh doom which is like kind of like the birth of you know first person shooters and then world of warcraft which is like not definitely not the birth of mmos but like uh, definitely the first one to like the really make, what, what, make what that cultural set impact. the standard yeah. that is yeah, yeah, still yeah. kind of you know marked today the, the, yeah. the, you gotta wonder if there's some uh so if there's some evercrack players out there that are like no you know but, i know uh, <laughs> i would be willing to bet there are a lot of everquest people out there that feel like everquest probably deserves the nod and in yeah. terms of in terms of pioneering it, it technically does i mean there are people who argue if you got to go farther back than that, you know, and, uh, you know, there's a couple other games, you know, that, that could be cited, but just didn't have the same amount of reach. See, as an old EverQuester, uh-huh. and I didn't get into WoW, I, I give WoW the credit because they became the rock, like, not the Rockstar developer, but the actual, like, rock star of MMOs. And they should get the credit because, yes, EverQuest did it and they got it started, but it's never the pioneer who makes it. Huge because somebody it's the has one to, that makes it a yeah, household someone, thing. Yeah, someone has to lay the the, the footing, and then the, the second or third guy is the one that figures it out. I, I was an EverQuest player, and I remember being so. Why are we interested. laughing, Charlie? <laughs> I'm sorry because that's. I mean, this is. I'm sorry, not not at all related, but that's mm. you've just described Apple's entire business model. <laughs> Somebody else actually, <laughs> oh my God. and look how big they are. No, no, that's my point. Somebody else does it first, and mm-hmm. then Apple comes out and does it in a way that most people consider to be right. Yeah, and they, so they, yeah. they simplify yeah. it. They yeah. make it more accessible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that's, so, that is precisely yeah. what what yeah. Blizzard did with World War. Yeah, so yeah. kudos to the guys to doing it right. Now, now the games that didn't make the cut this time around are Legend of Zelda, Pokemon, Minecraft, Angry Birds, FIFA. Fuck you, FIFA. The Oregon Trail. <laughs> Charlie was taking a drink of his beverage right that there. That was on purpose. He almost he almost had uh uh like he almost put the beer fail. in beard. 
Um, uh, so, uh, where was I at? Fuck FIFA, <laughs> the Oregon Trail, The Sims, Sonic the Hedgehog, and Space Invaders. Pokemon's gonna make next round. Oh, I, yeah, yeah I'm sure. I would say that. Mm. I'm, I'm sure. I don't know if they're gonna do this yearly or not. I would imagine it's gonna become... I mean, but gaming, the pantheon of gaming is not so broad of a spectrum that you could do this every year. I would yeah, like to see fine. them do this like every five years or something or every 10 years. Yeah. Even. You know, I think, I think five years yeah. is close to a console generation oh, yeah. console cycle. You know what I mean? So maybe, yep. maybe every five years, but, uh, to remind those of you listening, uh, the, the hall of fame is located at the strong national museum of play in Rochester, New York. So, uh, you can actually go out there and check the museum out and check out the exhibit. So and, if you're, uh, you're in Rochester, swing by, I wouldn't mind going to Rochester yeah. to check it, that out. I would make that trip. I'll give you two things. If you, if you're in Rochester, swing out to the museum and then swing through dinosaur barbecue and get yourself a nice meal. Uh, that sounds delicious. <laughs> and then, uh, anybody who wants to help me buy John a copy of FIFA cause he loves it so much. Just, uh, send us fuck FIFA. <laughs> That's right. That's how, that's how I feel about that. It's the final word. <laughs> um, going on to uh, number four. Official Mortal Kombat X tournament prize pool doubled to $100,000 and counting. Huh. That's, huh. That's a lot of money. Given, uh, given, given our, um, our feature this week, I felt it appropriate to include this news story. The Mortal Kombat X Worldwide Competitive Program Finals are well underway, and Warner Brothers Interactive announced this week that they're going to be doubling the prize pool from $50,000 to $100,000. Madness. Madness. Uh, when Warner Brothers initially announced their partnership with Electronic Sports League in March, the final prize pool was at $50,000, and games were set to begin May 3rd. Uh, sales of Sub-Zero's Blue Steel Skin, we learned, would go towards increasing the prize sum as well as funding a number of other initiatives by Warner Brothers and developer NetherRealm Studios. Well, a month later, uh, publishers bumped the prize pool, uh, prize pool up to twice the original amount, while the Sub-Zero promotional fundraiser will remain active through June 29th. So that's a dollar ninety nine for each skin, which is damn expensive for a single character skin. But if it's going towards raising prize pools, I don't mind. Um, I may actually buy into that to, to up that myself. So uh, to give you an idea of what else they're doing, further contributions to the ESL Mortal Kombat X Pro League Finals prize pool. The deadline for the Blue Steel Sub Zero skin uh, to fund this tournament is June twenty ninth, um, and so th- it was the goal was to establish a fifty thousand dollar prize pool for Evo, uh, which is going to be July seventeenth through the nineteenth this year. Um, so the funding, uh, the funding for it is for a series of Mortal Kombat X tournaments, including Combo Breaker, uh, which just passed, uh, uh MCM Comic Con, uh, UK Inv- Invitational Tournament, which is, uh, it just passed, and then CEO, which is later this month, 26th to 28th of June. Um, so Mortal Kombat X is, is, is raking in some money for, uh, for competition. That's, of all the fighting games out there that have been competitive in the past, Mortal Kombat has not really widely been regarded as a competitive fighting game. A fun fighting game, damn sure, but usually like hideously unbalanced. But do you feel like that's been fixed in, in the newest iteration? Though? When, I, when I first cracked it open and started playing it a few weeks ago, the first thought that I had, and, and I told my brother, the, the last one, Mortal Kombat 9, was a damn good game. Fairly balanced in most cases for what it was. And had some really uh, neat ideas in it, but it still didn't. It still felt like, well, competitive, uh, you know, fighting games are over here, and Mortal Kombat is over there doing what it does. Mm. And they just never really blended well. And I mean, even professional players will tell you, they they it just it didn't. It wasn't on their radar. You wouldn't see the the Street Fighter guys, uh, you know, playing Mortal Kombat competitively, maybe for fun, but it just wasn't. It never really did that for them. So. 
This one, I would say, immediately the first thing I, I remember saying was this feels like they sped it up. The game plays faster than previous Mortal Kombat's. Um, not since like it, it probably has more in common with Ultimate Mortal Kombat three than to mm, me okay. than than previous entries. And that game played quickly. It was about speed. Um, so I can see why this one's popping up and starting to get some you know get, catch some speed. I mean, people are still giving it grief um, for for some other reasons, which I'll talk about later on during the feature. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see fighting games kind of uh, anybody who's who's been a part of the fighting game community for as many years knows that the fighting game. Um, the fighting game genre moves in peaks and valleys. Like it'll be like everyone's playing them, everyone's talking about them, and we're we're reaching a, a fever pitch right now with fighting games that kind of started to resurge with Street Fighter Four and has been moving upward since and is hitting a peak with all these like massive prize pools. Uh, and then fighting games will become unpopular for a few years because guys like Namco will put out you know, uh, the next version of Tekken and Soul Calibur, and it's the same shit they put out before. They're barely upgrading anything, you know, or in most cases downgrading some ways. Um, so then that kind of flattens the, the playing field for a while, and nobody plays fighting games. So it's been kind of peaks and valleys. But I know neither of you guys are, are particularly big fighting game players. Right. Um, but uh, but you guys have been around to see all of these <clears throat> games come and go and kind of, you know, which ones people are hot on and which ones aren't, you know. That was kind of interesting. I'm a... Uh, personally all for them putting this kind of prize pool money into fighting games because uh, as much of a vocal detractor as I have been of like esports and uh, like MOBA games um, the fighting game community seems to be a l- just a little bit friendlier than the MOBA gaming uh, you know arena hmm. and uh, the, the, the players who participate in fighting game tournaments some of these games are really hard some of them are not easy, and I, yeah. you know, I have friends that play them casually and go, I don't know how you guys play these all the time, and I play them so well. My brother and I play them together because it's not easy to learn. You know, a lot of people think that it's just butt mashing, but if you want to learn the actual game systems, of course, it's not easy. You know, have either of you guys ever had an interest in in fighting games? Yeah, I go through it. Like I played Injustice, and like back in the day, in my Super NES and all that, I was a Mortal Kombat three master. Yeah, but it just there's, I don't know, I. I and every time I go to the, 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 the Galloping Ghost, you guys seen it, I, I automatically go to the fighting room because I, get, I think that's my thing is like, <clears throat> I like fighting games, but I like them on my cabinets. Yeah. I don't yeah. like them on my controller. Sure, I just sure. don't. Do you feel like, do you, feel like you, you just outgrew them or do you feel like the redundancy of them, the, the shallow nature of fighting games in terms of breadth, I guess, do you feel like that just kind of left you behind? I think my biggest thing is, yeah, like, I can go play all the fighting games for $15 on the on the the format of choice mm. at, the, at the ghost and I don't need to spend $60 on something that's going to keep me occupied for a day. Maybe would having an arcade fighting stick for consoles sway you at all. Maybe I haven't really toyed with the idea, mm. <clears throat> but I mean, it would be, I mean, eh, if I could get the boards or like if I could put, if I could build one of those cabinets and just put a console in it, I'd probably be more apt to play fighting games. Okay. What about you, Charlie? Did you ever have an interest in fighting games? You know, I did, but it wasn't for like any serious reasons. I mean, like I, I was, I was intrigued and interested by Mortal Kombat when it was uh, coming out, but more because of the novelty of Mortal Kombat and the fatalities and the babalities and just like you know, just the the, the semi ridiculous nature of it. Um, I think is more what uh, uh, piqued my interest than the you know than than anything else. I mean, as far as um, anything else. Uh, you know, like I've never like been one to like play like Street Fighter, Street Fighter or Marvel versus. I Capcom like Street Fighter or... better. 
Yeah. <laughs> I like Street Fighter better. I think that's a million-dollar seller. It was a good game. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Char- I hear, I hear, occasionally, Charlie trips over his words and says more amazing things than yes. what he intended to. <laughs> like uh, anybody who's excited, who, who cares enough, go back a couple weeks and see if you can catch when... Uh, <laughs> when when Charlie at the end of the show instead of saying podcast downloader of choice said punk ass downloader of choice which I think is better every time he has a Freudian slip I think it's better than whatever he was going to say but proceed sir I digress <laughs> I'll uh, I'll keep that in mind I guess um yeah but other than that not really um as I've mentioned before um, I've always been more interested in the story and the uh you know the narrative of a game and mm-hmm. so the 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 fighting games that have come out more recently that have had like kind of like a story interspersed between them like you know when Mortal Kombat not the most recent one but the one that came out before yes um, you know had like that story mode to go through it and of course like Injustice like Injustice game, was game, great that way yeah games like that where it's like a story and then like the fights are just intermixed between mm-hmm. like that's interested me but again that's only like what like a five hour at the most yeah campaign. yeah it's yeah. not even you know? and most of the time those story modes especially for the NetherRealm fighting games yeah. it's like two and a half hours yeah, yeah they're exactly. not very long well longer for me because i suck at them so sure. <laughs> fair enough well there's one way to lengthen the game i guess yeah be bad at it yes <laughs> do you guys think it's good to to have this much cash floating around in these prize pools do you think it it, it, it breeds a competitive nature or do you think it's going to draw out the assholes where does this money come from That's... well well some of it was money that was given by um you know warner brothers interactive donated a fifty thousand dollar prize pool to be split up amongst okay. players all right but the uh, as they were saying in the article the the there's a skin you can buy for uh sub-zero that makes him look very animated and cartoony uh called blue steel mm-hmm. um and if you buy that skin at a dollar 99 i goats going zoolander over there i know it he's <laughs> um <laughs> If you buy that skin, then they didn't tell anybody this to start with. But apparently, anybody who donated the dollar ninety nine, you know, or bought the skin at a dollar ninety nine, that money, oh okay, to okay. to bolstering the prize pool, which took it to a hundred thousand dollars. So apparently, fifty thousand dollars worth of uh, Sub Zero skins were purchased, which is insane to me. That's a lot of skin. Well, then yeah, that sounds. I mean, sure, why not? I mean, anything to drum up interest in the video game industry in general, I'd say is a good thing. Me yeah, excellent. Me yeah, excellent. Well, uh, keep the money coming, you know. Uh, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, much like the lottery, I will never, ever win a, uh, a pro fighting game tournament. So even though I'm glad the prize pool's there, I'm not expecting to get any of those proceeds. Fancy myself a marginally decent player at fighting games, never good enough to compete. All right, I'm going to go ahead and move on to number three this week. Everyone who stayed at Mojang after Microsoft buyout got $300,000 bonus. That is awesome. God damn. so good. I it love is, I love this story. This is a happy story. Yeah. Um, so Wired Magazine has posted an excerpt from an upcoming Minecraft book that offers new details about Microsoft's blockbuster $2.5 billion acquisition of Mojang and the popular sandbox franchise that came with it. So the excerpt is packed with fascinating inside information, including how Microsoft and Mojang kept employees from simply quitting their jobs once the deal was complete. Uh, the long answer uh, was uh, a, a lot of money. It's a lot of money. So we hang on a second. So maybe I misunderstood the headline. So because I didn't look into the actual story details. So was this like an incentive to get people to stay, or was this like 
after they stayed, it was like, hey, thanks for staying. Here's a bonus. This was an incentive to get people to stay, oh, according to this compl- article, because because they a lot of people wanted to leave. Apparently, um, a lot of the Mojang employees' were, hearts were in the same place as Notch, where he was just like, I don't really want to be a part of the big the big game here. Yeah. You know? And they like, were like, well, you don't have to be. Yeah. And that, we won't give you Notch money, but we'll give you money. Well, that completely changes my perception of the article. I thought it was a matter of Microsoft just being awesome and saying, hey, Thanks for staying. Here's a gigantic check with a lot of zeros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that would have been better, you know. And you got to wonder. I mean, if that's everybody that stayed, um, you know, the, the most marginal person working there, you know, walked away with a three hundred thousand dollar bonus. I mean, madness, man, madness. What? I am just confused. The fact that you're like, I thought Microsoft would be nice. Yeah, because it'd be weird. It yeah. would be weird. <laughs> yes, that, I, I can see your rationale when you put it that way. That would be mad weird, for yep. sure. Yeah, that's like, and then the same plane of like Apple going, "Oh, by the way, we can use every, other things with our devices." <laughs> yes, that would be very weird. Yeah, three hundred grand to stay, though. I mean, that's cool. My house is paid off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I still have a job. I don't look that's for true. one. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Um, so uh, there's a quotation on the matter. Everyone at Mojang was made the same offer. Whoever stayed on board for at least six months after the sale would be rewarded with two million Swedish crowns, approximately three hundred thousand dollars U.S. after taxes. Um, a small fortune was being tendered as a peace offering, in other words. So wait, uh, they wait, wanted on. them to stay. So I stay for six months, get my house paid off, buy a nice car, maybe. And then I put my resume out. <laughs> mm. Basically, yeah. Well, Hell, like yeah. It's, the 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 deal is crazier. <laughs> Some of the terms and conditions, because this is all stuff that's listed in the book that's going to be coming out. Yeah. According to the book, all employees were also guaranteed their monthly salaries for two full years after the deal closed. And this would be true even if Microsoft elected to close Mojang's office in Stockholm and move development to the company's headquarters in Redmond, Washington. The book states that at least one employee rejected the offer. You fool. Yeah, Notch. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but he, he, had, he had his money anyways. But I, I yeah. think they're talking about some other poor bastard who's probably now crying themselves to sleep in whatever cardboard box they're living in. Another section of the excerpt covers the immediate aftermath of the Minecraft acquisition deal becoming public. As it turns out, not everyone inside Mojang was happy. So news of the scale changed things at Mojang. Uh, some felt betrayed by Minecraft, uh, by Minecraft creator uh, Notch's decision. Um, morale plummeted when he left, they're saying, and people felt like the world was coming to an end. One longtime Mojang employee told us shortly after the news broke. Um, yet another part of the excerpt talks about a meeting that Microsoft Game Studio General Manager Matt Booty, that is his name, and it is spelled exactly how it should be. <laughs> awesome. He puts the ooh in booty. Well, at least his wife gets booty every night. <laughs> oh, God. We could, we could probably riff on this for a while. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and try and ferry this thing forward. <laughs> and, you know, for, for the integrity. Yeah, yeah. I say integrity loosely yes. of the show. Yes. Yet Why another part of the excerpt talks about meeting that Microsoft Game Studios general manager, Matt Booty, held at Mojang's... I can't get past it. <laughs> held at Mojang's offices after the deal closed. It didn't go so well. According to people present at the meeting, Matt Booty... We're just going to call him Matt from now on, okay? Um, the Booty. Because I can't call him Mr. Booty. <laughs> Call him, <laughs> call him da booty. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, focus, Ryan, focus! I, I'm trying. I'm focusing on the booty. <laughs> According to people present at the meeting, uh, Matt misspoke several times when discussing Mojang's future, the book said. Instead of saying Mojang, he referred to the company simply as Minecraft, <laughs> quickly correcting himself. Ooh, that's a good way to piss some people off. 
For the others in the room, it was awkward to say the least. Less than half of them worked directly with Minecraft. Uh, every time the man from Microsoft confused the name of the company he had acquired with the game it was known for, he inadvertently pointed to the elephant in the room. Yes, Microsoft had acquired all of Mojang, but it was only really interested in Minecraft. Uh, the book is called Minecraft, the unlikely tale of Marcus Notch Person and the game that changed everything, second edition. Sounds like a video game title from Japan. It's a Wait, follow-up. Second to the, edition? There was a first? It says second right. edition, which I think it's the first edition. I think they're just trying to be cheeky in a weird way that's not really that cheeky. Oh, all right. It's or a follow-up to the 2013 original installment and will be released on June 16th. So uh, by the time you listen to this, uh, the, the episode, um, it'll be you know just a week away, not even before that book's released. I, I kind of want to read that. I think it would be fascinating. I might have to pick so, that up. Sounds like there's some nitty-gritty in there. Sounds like the one guy who didn't take it was the guy who seen that everything was falling apart and did it right and had a job probably who got a raise and was like, I'm good. I'm cool. See you He's later. He's probably the one that named the company Mojang and every time he came in there and it was just like, yeah, uh, you guys here at Minecraft, he was probably like, that's not its name. You <laughs> did it wrong. I, I don't want what your the hell's your name. What the hell's your problem? Uh, my name's Yohong Mojang. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, I can tell you this. Um, I consider myself to be a man of some scruple. And dignity. Um, I, I Unless it's just a point of principle, I fail to understand how anybody could turn down $300,000 for the hard work that they did to build something that revolutionized gaming. For six months. He, uh, I can only assume that, that the person or persons who turn that down are, I mean, I, I mean, I, Apple fanboys. I mean, like, I don't, I don't know other possible explanation than... Like you've got, you've got, you clearly enjoy your job already because you're still there. And for the most part, your job is not changing. Just the people who own it and sign your paychecks is changing. And for you to turn that down, like you have to have some fundamental like disagreement or difference with these new paycheck signers. Look, and so they must have some problem with Microsoft. That's the only thing that makes that's sense. That's got to be it. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I, there are things in this world. There's not enough money to pay that to make me do or, or things to compromise my principles. But um, really, I don't see anything wrong with this one. I mean, unless he really just, like you said, hates Microsoft. Or it's, it's they, I should it, yeah. say, hate Microsoft. Doesn't make any sense to me. But uh, either way, the book sounds like it's going to be an interesting read. Yeah, the original installment came out on October 17th, uh, 2013. It was simply called Minecraft, The Unlike- Unlikely Sale of Marcus Notch. Uh, yeah, like you said. Um, and so the second edition is uh, yeah, probably going to include everything that came out after the first edition. It was uh, including the Microsoft acquisition. That 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 would be my understanding. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, one of us at least will get our hands on the book and be able to provide you all um, an idea of whether or not it's worth a worth a read. But uh, it has my attention. Currently available on pre-order on Amazon.com for seventeen dollars and ninety six cents. The low low price. All right, I'm going to go ahead and move on to uh, number two for this week. Valve's Steam machines are coming in October. Hooray, there are computers running Steam. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's a lot of people were really excited at the beginning, and it seems as though the fervor has uh, petered out a little bit. Um, they haven't been very good about explaining to people what the hell these things are going to be. I mean, if you follow it closely enough, you have a pretty good idea of what they are. And I don't feel terribly confident that the PC gaming world is going to abandon their uh, their staples for this. Um, maybe they will get some of the console people, but if you look at the price point versus a, a household console right now, doesn't stack up, man. You know, even at the entry level, it's still more expensive than a standard, you know, household system. 
Nope. I still say that their prime target audience is the Apple community. They're used to overpaying for things that do very little. <laughs> it's they're they're definitely going to be they're, they're they're definitely not marketing towards people who already have gaming PCs. Yeah. They're marketing towards people who are like who 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 don't want to deal with all the headaches and hassle of like building their own gaming PC and they look at the existing like quote unquote gaming PC brands like you know Alienware and like Falcon Northwest and like yeah. you know brands like that and oh, they yeah. just yeah. see them as being like out of reach and like too complicated and too like blah 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 blah, blah. and so when they presumably when they see these things sitting on the shelves of Best Buy, which I, I still think, I, I agree with you, John. I think it's going to be a mess. I, I, I don't see this working out at all. Um, but I think that those are the people that they're going to. Um, you know, I, I, I want it to work. I don't, I don't see it working the way that Valve wants it to, or that the way that people hoped it would. Valve has had such a great reputation uh, in, in the video gaming world for producing quality but anybody who's been paying close attention for the last maybe two years, two and a half years, have noticed that um, whether it's because they've thrown their back into focusing on Steam machines or you know, um, I mean, any of the other projects they're working on or the way that they change or update Steam, something's, something is amiss at Valve. It's definitely not in the position it used to be, I don't think. That's my personal feeling. But uh, I think a lot of PC gaming uh, enthusiasts would probably agree with me on that right now. Um, at any rate, though, um, the the first wave of Steam machines are going to be starting October 16th. So that's when people who pre-order them will start receiving the first units. So uh, there's there are some very specific uh, a, a sort of flow of things that, that, that are going to take place with this. And it's going to kind of release in waves, which is another problem with why I don't think this is going to work properly. Okay. But, uh they're making it too complicated for the everyman. Sure. Um, so the first Steam Machines released October 16. Um, as I said, anybody who pre-ordered them, that's when you're going to start getting them around that time. Retailers, however, won't start stocking Valve's Steam OS-powered PCs until November 10th. So there's like a month gap between when Steam Machines that can run Steam with, you know, I guess whatever operating system you want to dump on it, uh, or if it comes pre-installed with one, but the the actual Steam operated operating system, the Linux based operating system that they're using for for um, Steam machines, that doesn't launch until the tenth of November. What? But hang on, it's Charlie's upset. Tick. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. The the entire point of a Steam machine is that, is that it runs Steam OS. So the ones that are available before then are. Oh wait, no, you said retailers. So retailers. Me, so, so so people are gonna. So the ones that people are receiving. Oh, you know what? That's my mistake. I misunderstood. Yeah. Okay. That. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So people are gonna be getting shipped their October sixteenth. Okay. But you won't be able to buy one off store shelves until November. Okay. November. That makes more sense. Pardon me. Pardon my error on that. That was that was me misreading. Um. So the PC you gaming boxes. What's that? <laughs> you almost gave the man a heart attack. I did. I said there was a. <laughs> A blood vessel burst in the side of his eye. Um, the PC gaming boxes are going to start at four hundred and fifty bucks, which is already, um, you know, yeah, with expensive. What it. Um, well, that's when the Steam controller and Steam Link in-house gaming streaming device will debut as well. Okay. Um, at the first wave, other Valve hardware partners are also going to start releasing their take on Steam Machine. So, other PC providers are going to be able to make Steam Machine branded Steam machines. Which is still also kind of confusing because you may think you're getting one Steam machine and you might buy... I could foresee a lot of not tech-savvy people buying the wrong fucking thing here. Um, it's going to be a mess. Um, yeah, I think they're kind of banking on that, though. So so what they're trying to do is um, they're, they're trying to make a viable ecosystem for gaming that stands apart from Microsoft's Windows and simultaneously give consumers an option uh, to easily to understand an alternative to buying 
or building, you know, PCs, you know. Um, the idea is great. The execution is a mess. Charlie's rubbing his forehead. Okay, so we, we've uh, I've I've gone off on a soapbox on this about about this in the past, and it's just it's I, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish here because anybody the, the, anybody who wants a steam powered computer already has one. The the the, the people that. It's, 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 it, occur- it seems to me that the people who would be interested in this are the people who, like, don't know how to build a computer yep. and are otherwise interested in getting, like, a gaming class computer that's, that's simple and, like, you know, they, they, they want the console experience. They want to just go out and they want to walk into the store and they want to say, I want the Xbox, and they get handed to them the Xbox with, very, with maybe a, a very minor choice in, like, hard drive size and the color of the thing. And they, they go home and then that's just the end of it. It just works. And it seems to me that the, that the entire point of the Steam Machine initiative is to offer that same experience to the console buyers. But as soon as uh, the problem is that it's their execution is completely ignores the simplicity that it that it seems to me they would be trying to go for. Because as soon as they walk into the store, as I've said in the past, they're going to walk into the Steam Machine aisle with like their fifty choices of different Steam machines, and it, it completely ruins that entire point. If that is indeed what they're going for, yeah. And and I think that I I, I think <clears throat> what should I what's the proper wording here? Their heart, I guess, for lack of a better word, is in the right place. Happened. I know exactly what happened. Their idea was to do the Apple thing. Like Charlie said, I walk in, I get a music player. I grab iPod, I leave. I want tablet, I grab iPad, I leave. I want phone, I grab iPhone. Right. One thing for one item. Right. But then, and I'm going to use Charlie, your kind came in and screwed it all up because you're like, but we could do all of this because we know what we're doing. Yeah, and but these you know people what? obviously are going to know what they're talking about because we know what we're talking about. It's like, guys, no, no, you've missed the bus. No. <laughs> no, I, I, I disagree with you because my kind are the ones that are saying, we don't care about you. Go away. We already have our computers. Yes, we but, already have everything we yes. need. Their mistake was in opening this yeah. up to anybody that wants to make mm-hmm. one. That's what I'm that saying. That was though. their mistake. That's what I'm saying, though, is you're, you're like, okay, I'm going to make this for the easy guy, but with your knowledge... You're it making should. it. You're just like, oh yeah, well, did and, then, and then you get like ten different versions because you can do this and this and that and this and this, which makes sense to the, the computer savvy guy. But you're not making it for the computer savvy guy. It's almost like having a car salesman try to sell you a brand new engine for a car that he doesn't even know outside of the car. <laughs> there is a market for this, but it is not the market for this. Just like we yeah. joked around and talked about how how a pioneering company can start something and then another one who's watching the ball closely will will refine it. And then um, blow the doors off of it. Here's my prediction with this. They're going to put this out. It's going to, A, fail spectacularly. B, it's going to be the first big hit that that um, Valve takes to their, their credibility. And three, that I'm, this may be a long shot, especially since they just announced this last week that they're looking for uh, developers and, and programmers for a and what they're calling an ambitious PC title. I think that what's going to happen is this idea is going to get snapped up, refined, and executed properly by Amazon. I can I, see that. That's what I think is going to happen. I can see. Yeah. I, oh I, I, man, then we're going to have a firebox. Yeesh. Well, we that sounds fire. like it needs an ointment. Go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We go from the steam box <laughs> to the firebox. Uh, okay, coming on back. Um, so <laughs> it's. Uh, I'll say one more thing, and then we'll get off of this because I could rant about this forever. You got the firebox. The, yes, yes, my firebox is burning. Um, <laughs> John's face right now is <laughs> Um What I they feel sh- uncomfortable. If if my 
interpretation of the intention of this is correct, and if their point was to offer the 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 high the high end, you know, uh, like a high end world class gaming PC product and experience to to people who wanted something more than a console, because like you know, the, the vast majority of people that play on gaming PCs do so because while yes, they cost three four times as much. You know, games on because are you, you're, you're putting that money into the hardware, and because games have quality control settings, which is one of the reasons why this entire thing I think is going to fail, is that um, is uh, they, they, you know they wanted to offer that experience. I think their mistake was just opening up and saying, "Hey, everybody, have fun with this. Here's the specs. You know, whatever, go have fun." What they should have done, or maybe what they will get to, maybe maybe. Uh, so what I'm likening this to is like the Microsoft Surface tablets. Yeah, is because Microsoft is, has never been a hardware company. They, well, they were never a hardware company until they came came out with the Surface. That was weird for them. The the really the Xbox, which was really a separate division, is, is far and away from you know like mm-hmm. Microsoft Windows Core Microsoft. Um, and aside from the Zune, which also was a complete and total other separate thing, you know, as far as actual Microsoft Windows, they they were never hardware. And so when the Surface came out, people were like, "Microsoft making hardware now? Like this this changes everything." Yeah, because sure. This 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 messes with their relationships with companies because now everybody is thinking like Microsoft's going to be pushing their own stuff. And they're not going to be pushing like the HP and the Acer and like the everybody else's sure, stuff. Sure, sure. But the reason that they did that is because they came out and they said, you guys are not doing this right. You are making crappy hardware. You're loading it up with, with, with junkware. Like, you know, I, I just bought a brand new Acer laptop. I love the hardware to death, but the amount of just junk software that came on this thing, like, it's just not good. And so Microsoft came out and they said, okay, we are going to show you guys how to do this because you're not doing it right. And so the Surface tablets, four Windows tablets, especially the, the new Surface 3 Pros, excellent hardware i mean like it's it's not what i want in a tablet pc but if, but for that product category like the surface 3 is dirty in general are getting rave reviews yeah. and so i i maybe that's what we're going to get to here maybe they're putting this out there just to see what people do with it and see what people like and see what they don't and then if valve takes that feedback and does this conversation which we seem to be having through this episode and they say okay here's what worked here's what doesn't now we're going to sign up with like you know our a, a one manufacturer and come out with like the actual Valve Steam machines, like not the HP Steam machines, not the Acer Steam machines, not the freaking whatever is Steam machines. Like these are our actual things, like Microsoft did with the Surface, and maybe maybe we're gonna see that. That is the only way I see this working out in the long run. Um, <clears throat> I I I'm gonna add something to this okay. that that's gonna it's gonna ruffle your feathers. Oh goody! You're not gonna like this. <laughs> so um. As I would expect it, I mentioned uh, the Steam Link and I mentioned the Steam Controller. Steam Link is um, sort of akin to like PlayStation TV, where it lets you stream your uh, Steam Machine games to your television in the house, mm-hmm. uh, which is a nice feature. Sure. You know, I have a PC at home with a shitload of Steam games, as we've heard in the past. I would love to be able to just stream those straight to my television. That would be very, very convenient for me. Um, so I expect that to be a uh, a sold separate product. Um, the controller is an option. It's not a requirement. So the uh, controller doesn't come packed in with the unit. So if you don't have the controller, you play with keyboard and mouse? Play with keyboard and mouse, which okay. is how most PC gamers are traditionally oh, yeah, uh, uh, accustomed to playing, prefer to play a lot of them even. Yeah. Um, but in my experience, being, a, being an ambassador between both sides of it, the consoles and the PC uh, gamers, the average they're, – they're trying to target um, – convenience and they're trying to target um non-pc gaming folks to capture a portion of that market 
worst possible thing you can do is not pack that controller in because everybody I know that plays casually, they have a hard time figuring out how to how to control like a modern game today with a controller. You put a PC, mouse, and keyboard in front of them, they go cross-eyed. <laughs> it's not good, yeah. you know. So I mean, if if you if they don't pack that damn thing in, it's gonna be bad news bears. I think you know it's gonna make an already um, unorganized situation worse. I, I, I actually agree with you completely. I think um, I think uh, I think that would be wise to do. Um, I understand why they would separate on the SKUs, but um, having a bundle. And then, you know, pushing that bundle with retailers or maybe retailers will come up with their own bundles. Um, yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I totally see what you're saying. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <clears> to <throat> date myself here, but this reminds me a lot of when, uh, you guys remember when Neo Geo came out with that home console? Oh, yeah. Vaguely, yeah. And how yeah, well, with cartridges the size of bricks. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. a controller with enough buttons for a keyboard. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where we're going with this. Yeah. I, well, maybe. Could be, I mean, this, this controller, if you haven't seen this thing, is wildly different than any other controller you've seen everybody's saying that they spent a lot of time developing um the ergonomics of the controller for maximum comfort but it looks really uncomfortable to me um the the the, it does have a thumbstick on it Mm -hmm. and it's got face buttons that look like it looks like a some sort of weird like lumpy cousin to the xbox one controllers but then it's got two sort of track pads and Mm -hmm. the one on the left is almost acts as a D-pad because you can depress, uh, you know, quadrants on the controller. And then the right side is supposed to substitute and or supplement the experience of using a mouse to navigate if you wish to do so. It's a slide. It's a trackpad that reacts to the movement of oh, your so thumb. Oh, so it's like the C-stick on your... Yes. No, it's not. It's it's a completely flat surface. You run your well, thumb yeah, over it and it catches up. Same yeah, idea it's supposed to, to give you that, that sort of mouse it. control. Um, some people are saying it's comfortable, um, on hands-on reports. You could find any of those online if you look them up. Um, a lot of people are saying that once you, once you get used to it, it's an enjoyable thing. There's another hurdle. You're asking people who you don't want to have to do work to do work to invest themselves in a control scheme that they are completely unfamiliar with. Yeah. You know, I'm interested in getting my hands on one of these controllers just to see. I'm one of those people that does not have a hard time switching between controllers. My brother... I have this conversation with all the time. And Annalise from VS Surveillance, if I put an Xbox One controller in their hand, it completely fucks up their entire afternoon because they can't... Get, and I asked them, why is that? Because the thumbsticks are not parallel like the uh, the PlayStation sure. uh, you know, control. I don't have a problem with that. I Me can either, switch yeah. between controllers, any controllers, five minutes and I'm comfortable. So I want to see if this is the, the stopgap that screws it up for me or not because I haven't had anything stop me from adapting yet. You know, so we'll see. Right. Valve, get on with it. God damn it. Do it right. Or don't do it at all. Or better yet, stop fucking around with all this stuff and put out Half-Life 3. <laughs> put out and Left 3. Left 4 Dead 3 and any 3. Yeah. <laughs> Just about the game 3 at this point. That's right. All right. So number one this week, uh, Bungie raises more than a million dollars for disaster relief in Nepal. While job, it was Bungie. probably, oddly enough... Not the most discussed headline of the week online. I feel as though Bungie earned this one. Okay. So the charity set up by video game developer Bungie, the Bungie Foundation, has raised more than a million dollars for disaster relief in Nepal. Money was donated by gamers as well as Destiny publisher Activision, who donated $50,000. I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth for charity, but Activision, considering how much money you have, $50,000 is kind of weak, buddy. (laughs) Destiny fans who donated to the charity will get a limited edition t-shirt and an in-game shader. All told, your collective power has raised over a million dollars, said community manager David uh, DJ 
Dague Dog. I don't know how to pronounce it. D A G U E. Uh, with special thanks to the Activi- uh, to the Activision. I just sounded like a 95 year old man right there. That's <laughs> <laughs> special thanks to the Activision. <laughs> Um, for matching a $50,000 contribution from the Bungie Foundation. For a minute there, I thought it was just the, the way that this sentence cuts off, it just says the Bungie, and I thought I was seeing shit right there. Like, <laughs> I lost my mind. Um, a $50,000 contribution from the Bungie Foundation, and fundraising. the fundraising drive is over. So now comes the business of putting those funds to work. Check out the tangible results. Thanks to your support, Direct Relief is outbound with everything you can see here with the exception of the Guardians presenting the check. They're staying at home. The rest is destined for Nepal. So uh, that was the CEO of Direct Relief, Thomas Tai. He also went on to say, this was an outstanding, uh, an astounding act of generosity on the part of Bungie and the larger Bungie community, and we at Direct Relief are deeply grateful beyond what can be expressed in words. And most importantly, the Bungie community's amazing support will translate immediately and directly into help for the uh, people in Nepal who experienced a tremendous blow or in a very difficult and more vulnerable situation now as monsoon season nears and also have a long, tough road ahead. Every penny will be spent to help strengthen essential health services that were needed before the earthquakes and much more so now. Um, you know, uh, I, a lot of people have ripped on Bungie lately for kind of doing some silly things with destiny and, you know, maybe some disingenuine things, but, uh, we've talked about it on the show before, you know, anybody who does stuff like this, good for you guys. You know, you don't have to, you choose to. And, uh, the people in Nepal are going to get a little something extra because, uh, Bungie decided to be, uh, pretty cool guys. Yep, I've got nothing negative to say. You about got nothing, this. No, man. Uh, and what can you say bad about yep. it? You know, it's, other than uh, that, Destiny is not that great. Well, <laughs> that's it. That's all I got. But even still, not you know, every time. Some of that fifty thousand dollars, I got to imagine the fifty thousand dollars they donated. Some of that money had to come from Destiny. So worth it. Worth it. I'm glad well, I bought the game. They're still paying off the five hundred million dollar bill for Destiny. So I mean, they probably are kind of tight in the, in the yeah, bank. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. We'll see. Dang. Uh, good for you guys, Bungie. You know, uh, keep up the awesome work with that kind of stuff. If everybody in gaming had that kind of money to to donate to this stuff, it would be a, a fine day indeed. True story. That's gonna that's gonna do it for news this week, man. I got nothing else for you. All right, so let's talk about some gaming tournaments, shall we? So the month of May, 2015, in the Chicagoland area, saw host to uh, three different um, instances of video game tournaments, uh, all wildly different. Um, you had the, the qualifying rounds for the Nintendo World Championships at the uh, Schaumburg Best Buy location. You had uh, Combo Breaker, which is uh, predominantly a fighting game tournament, John, if I'm correct. It is. It is a fighting game tournament. And uh, that was in Rosemont, correct? That was in Rosemont. It Rosemont. was actually next to the uh, O'Hare Hyatt, I believe. And then you had the, the T20 tournament at the Galloping Ghost, which was uh, just a completely different animal altogether. And uh, three different... Um, com- takes and attempts and just 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 uh, formats of a fighting game tournament and so uh, i'd like to talk a little bit about those and see what we think about um if they worked and if they didn't what we liked, what we didn't and so um i'll start off with the uh the nintendo world championships uh the qualifiers i mentioned my experience from before when i was younger um from when the uh, nintendo world championships were a thing back in uh like the 90s 80s 90s uh whatever that was and uh, i'm old i don't remember time um but uh, <laughs> before the internet <laughs> yeah um uh, maybe um and so back in the day like this was like a big deal like you had this like giant like semi truck trailer pull up that was all decked out and painted and like covered with artwork and it was like this big deal and like they had like tents set up and it was like you you know you went in in groups and uh, you would play the um, at the time, which were custom made cartridges, because that's real was really the only way to do something like this back at the time. 
uh, you know, of course, uh, some of you may have seen these cartridges go for just ridiculous amounts of money on eBay and other auction sites. Um, uh, where you you'd play through like like you know small sections of a couple different Nintendo games and like your score would be added up and the people that did the best got invited to like move up in the qualifiers and like you know participate in the championships and that was pretty much how it worked it was like this big ordeal and like all flashy and yeah 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 the Nintendo Circus came to town yeah pretty much um, cut to 2015 where <laughs> Nintendo uh, is bringing back the World Championship Tour and uh, the qualifying round took place at the Schaumburg, Illinois Best Buy location and other best a handful, small handful of other Best Buy locations around the United States. And, um, well, here are the things that it had in common. Um, you did have people coming and standing in line and going through a groups at a time to play these, uh, like, you know, minigame-esque, uh, you know, rounds of, uh, of different Nintendo properties to get a score and see if they'd move on. That is where the comparison stops because um, there was no flash. There was no... Um, you know, there was no bravado to the experience. It was quite literally card tables set up inside the Best Buy store location where people would walk up in groups at a time, pick up one of the Nintendo new 3DSs that were sitting in front of them, play it on the 3DS. No screens for people to observe. No, uh, you know, there, there, it really was not not designed for spectation it at was all. A relatively joyless event. Yeah, and and then you would you would play your game. And then you would leave, and that was pretty much it. It, it um, wasn't designed for uh, for for celebration. No, it not was, at it all. Was, it was designed for functionality. It, it served a purpose. Yeah. So now it's it's worth noting that um, you know we, we are talking about the Schaumburg instance of this. Um, the uh, other Best Buy, it was raining that particular day in Schaumburg. So they may have had to make some last-minute changes and move this inside. But um, I don't think so because there was there was nothing outside. Um, there were no. Um, you know, if this was going to be outside, I imagine it would have been in some sort of tent or other enclosed area anyways, just to keep the glare of the sun off the screens or mm-hmm. the 3DSs or whatever. So I think this was the plan all along. And um, yeah, just just completely and totally just like, yeah, here's some 3DSs, play your games. Okay, thanks, bye. Yikes. That's about it. Yeah, I, I would definitely definitely think that if there was some glitz and glam that they had to move inside, you would have at least seen like some sort of truck. Something, yeah. That yeah. was like, hey, that, that their box truck probably has the... Uh, you know, fun and excitement in it. Yeah, and so all this, of course, was leading up to the um, the, uh, the the finals, which are going to be placing pl- taking place on June fourteenth at three p.m. Pacific time, uh, where you can watch it live at e three nintendo dot com. And uh, yeah, if you're in the LA area, you can try and see if you can get there in person. Otherwise, um, they'll be streaming it online, of course, along with their the rest of the e three festivities that they have going on. Um, but yeah, just um, you know, for something that used to be such a big deal, and for it to be initially received as a big deal that they were bringing it back, the actual the actual execution of at least the qualifying events was very very just meh. It Hopefully, seems. they'll take the feedback from this though, and maybe since it's they're just starting it back up, they wanted to see how the response to it would be. That's my hope because Nintendo is usually pretty good about about trying to bring. Uh, a celebratory error to what they do. So I hope they, yeah. they fix it up between now and next year. I definitely think it was what we were saying, where they threw the idea out and gave themselves like three weeks to make it happen. Because hmm. it seemed very like, hey, we can it, do this. They did oh. announce it and then execute it pretty fast. So maybe it was a deficit of time, you know. It could be. But I mean, like, if that's... Then the internet ruins everything. No. There's no well, they may be celebrating. They may be, they may be saving up the fanfare for the actual, you know, the finals. You know, well, yeah, it was just a qualifier, too. It wasn't the championships. Sure, it? sure. Could be, could be. Um, time will tell. Yes. You, can, you can find pictures of it online if you want to see how depressing it looked. It looks like a mopey chow line. Sounds good. 
Okay, and then on, let's let's pick this up to to the happier point since Charlie went to uh, Snooze Fest 2015. Please do. Yes, <laughs> uh, I I lucked out and got to go to the T20 event at Galloping Ghost, which was the polar opposite of everything you just heard. Doc pulled out all the stops. The man knows how to throw a party with video games, and he does it quite well. Um, there was a ceremony for the they do trading cards for the year and they do an award ceremony for that people actually get trading cards in their names and stuff like that it's really cool they did that um and the t20 tournament itself was really cool because he went through his entire stock which is on the floor and off the floor mm-hmm. um and pulls 20 games randomly okay and um they're not all fighter games they're getting you we've been to the ghost yep there's now 470 possibilities on the floor variety that you, that you could have played yep. doesn't tell anybody till the day you show up on friday it was a three-day event friday saturday sunday um, and your players don't know what you're playing until the Friday when they walk in and they go, we're playing this. Um, some of which he pulled out of the back room that day for you to play. So it's not like you could have been practicing. Yeah, it's a completely even playing field. His regulars couldn't have any idea. They come in and your novices. It's amazing. Um, smooth, like no hiccups. Um, during the event, we uh, I partook in uh, breaking the Guinness Book World of Records for most people playing in an arcade at the same time. Now my understanding is that um, that that uh, the the required um, uh, photographs and documentation mm. were taken for this to be submitted to the World Book. So this is not officially a record yet. Nah, well, yeah, the, the pace. Right. Guinness was there. Walter Day was there. Right. Um, they did the paperwork's in. Right. 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 <laughs> Yeah. But you, by you, all accounts, it's official. Yeah, yeah. Not a question of if, but when. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and they crushed it. I think it was 162 people they needed to beat. We had 207. Oh, wow. I chose the wrong event, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> clearly. Clearly. But, yeah, that sounds like an amazing time. Yeah. So, and it was all, I mean, he had the, they had the, the tournament machines were down in the, the side room, the production office. So the tournament was un, unhindered by all the, the festivities in the main arcade. So it was, it was just smooth. And and so my so what I'm understanding that you're saying is that the way the tournament actually operated is that you would go in and you would you would take take your turn at playing each of these twenty games and that your combined score from these twenty games would would make up your score in the tournament and then that was how they determined the winner is that correct yes okay um, and was that ongoing are there are there an additional or is there a winner do you know yeah they did it some Sunday it all culminated and um, okay. you had your your winners but yeah. Uh, yeah, it looks like that. Uh, so third place went to uh, Martin Bedard, and second place went to Chris Teeter, and the T20 Grand Champion was uh, Zerst Kvit. Um, so congratulations to all the winners. And um, yeah, it definitely sounds like an event that. Uh, well, I'm sad I missed it. Yeah, I, I wish I could have been there. I know that uh, next year, next year, boys, we're going. Yeah, we're One going time, in. We're uh, playing. B Squad co-host Ryan On happened to be there mm-hmm. as well. You guys got to hang out for a little bit too. So uh, maybe next year we'll all make it down. Oh, there. Be and awesome. uh, shout out to Ryan. Uh, he is officially now on the uh, Soul Calibur 2 machine for fastest time. Right on. In oh, print. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I, in print. I believe that happened the, the night we recorded yes. there, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. I awesome. walked in, I'm like, click, and I sent him a picture. I'm like, you're official, buddy. Crushing records, man. <laughs> Crushing records. They that, act- that's an arcade record, by they, the way. That's on, yeah. on, in, just for Galloping Ghosts. That's not a, like a worldwide record. Um, and they, but they actually did set quite a few, uh, I, I saw doc posts that they set uh, quite a few world record, um, world records at that event as oh, well. Yeah, for everybody many was, machines. Everybody was throwing scores up. It was a score a thon. Yeah. It was amazing. Yep. I went That's for awesome. one of my scores. I came close. I'm trying to get the off-road score. My name will be on that machine. God damn it. <laughs> Soon. All Soon right. we will post the information. So, uh, going up to the grander scale of things, uh, how was Combo Breaker? Combo Breaker was, uh, 
full of crushed dreams, victories, uh, tough road walked. Um, Combo Breaker was held at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare this year, um, which is coincidentally uh, 10 minutes from my front door. It's awesome. Oh. Um, Combo Breaker turns is turning out to be uh, a huge event you know, in the Chicagoland area, and it's, it's starting to feature some of these big prize pools we were talking about early on the show. Uh, to give you guys an idea of what, uh, what they were featuring there in terms of games that could be competed in, uh, Ultra Street Fighter 4, Super Smash Brothers um, for the Wii U, Killer Instinct, Under Night in Birth, EXE, colon, Late. So it's a Vita title. It, might, it damn well <laughs> might be. Super Smash Brothers Melee, a Guilty Gear Exert Sign, Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3, Skullgirls, Tekken Tag Tournament 2, King of Fighters 13, Injustice, Gods Among Us, Persona 4, Arena Ultimax, and Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. So a variety and yeah, a, range a, of age, uh, a range of ages as well. Yeah, there was a wild uh, list there. Yeah, you know, I, I, I spent a, a large portion of my weekend uh, watching. Uh, I was not able to attend. I was watching a lot of it online because I couldn't make it there. It's a shame. Ten minutes to my front door and my schedule permitted me from being there. Um, yeah. uh, B-Squad co-host uh, member, Mr. Brian Lester, was able to attend. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to come and sit in with us today. Um, but uh, he, he, uh, he kept us all abreast of uh, sights and sounds going on at uh, Combo Breaker. Now, uh from what I got to see, I mean, obviously the surprise this year, as we were talking about earlier, is that Mortal Kombat had such a, a, a big grouping of people uh, sitting around to play. You know, I mean, it's never been a competition game. Everybody, uh, I mentioned earlier in, in uh, the news story that we featured about the game, that a lot of people have always had complaints about its balance. Mm-hmm. This, there are still people, even on the pro circuit level, that are starting to take notice of the game, are still finding a complaint with the game. And that is that it's not truly balanced in terms like uh, like Killer Instinct. Um, you can break combos or counter-break combos or, you know what I mean? There's, there's, a, there's an answer to everything. A lot of people are complaining that Mortal Kombat has this... Um, has this... It's built and designed in such a way that it's not balanced so much as it is you are trying to trick your opponent into making them think you're going to do one thing so that they will do what you want them to do and then you will return gotcha. with a, pre, a pre-prepared answer to whatever move they're doing, which there is a little bit of that. You know, I've, I've played it enough to get a, a feel for that. Um, even when I was playing, playing Ryan the other night, I, I was trying to get him to do certain things and sometimes he went for it, sometimes he didn't. So that's a, kind of a guessing game. Um, you know, to, to give you an idea, of course, Ultra Street Fighter 4 was the, the darling of the show, always is, you know, as well as uh, Smash Brothers. Uh, and Killer Instinct actually had a really good turnout. Um, it, it, that's a game that nobody expected to, to garner as much of a professional following as it did. You know, even Street Fighter 4 heavy hitters like Justin Wong are taking it seriously and competing, you know. So it's, uh, that's picking up some steam. To give you guys an idea, though, of uh, some of the results, you know, the top three uh, finishers for each result. Uh, Mortal Kombat X was... Uh, GGA Dizzy, um, who uh, who won the the Mortal Kombat tournament overall with Raiden, um, CR Sonic Fox won with uh, second place with Aaron Black. Uh, Aaron Black's Outlaw playstyle and Ermac's Master of Souls were the two he he uh, climbed the ladders with, and then Corn uh, Alucard Kotal uh, Khan uh, with his War God variation. Those were the top three for Mortal Kombat. Uh, for Ultra Street Fighter Four, it was uh, Liquid Knuckle Dew uh, with Guile. Uh, number two was E.G. Ricky Ortiz with Rufus and Rolento. And uh, third place is E.G. Justin Wong with Rufus, Rose, and Adon. So uh, Justin Wong, who usually sits you know, at the top, um, was sitting at number three this go-around for Combo Breaker. 
Um, Super Smash Brothers for Wii U results were uh, Zero took number one with Diddy Kong and Sheik. Uh, number two, Coco with Olimar. And number three, GGA Knight with Rosalina and Luma. Uh, Killer Instinct was uh, TSC CD Jr. with Maya, uh, or Maya. There's an argument with uh, Killer Instinct fans on how you say it, because uh, they say it both ways in two of the games. <laughs> um, Crazy LCD with Maya, Orchid, and Hisako. Uh, and then in number three, RM Shin Tristan with Thunder and Sadira. Um, Under Night, Inbirth EXC, colon Late. Top three for that is uh, CR Sonic Fox with Carmine. Uh, number two was Corn Corn uh, Footwork with Gordo. And uh, number three, Psychotic with Ori. Uh, Super Smash Bros. Melee, number one was DJ Nintendo with Fox. Number two was Duck with Samus. And number three was Control, uh, the Moon, with Marth. Um, Guilty Gear Excerpt Sign, top three, FF, uh, 11 Shadow with Faust. Number two, Sim with uh, Milia. And number three, Black Snake with Venom. Um, Ultimate, Mor- Ultimate Mortal, excuse me, Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom 3 results. Uh, number one is uh, Justin Wong with Wolverine, Storm, and Akuma. Number two was uh, Kane Blue River with Hulk, Sentinel, and Hagar. And number three was Rosa with, uh, excuse me, Jay Rosa with Morrigan, Doctor Doom, and Strider. Skullgirls, which is kind of a cool little uh, indie fighting game that uh, was uh, crowdfunded. Uh, it's like all hand-drawn art, really cool-looking original art style. Um, number one was Sonic Fox with uh, Fukua and Eliza. Number two was with De- De- De Kilsage with uh, Big Band, Squiggly, and others. I don't know what others is. They don't specify. And number three was Swift Fox Dash with Peacock and Cerebella. Uh, Tekken Tag Tournament 2. Uh, number one was Fighting GM with Lee and Violet. Number two was Al Christian with uh, Kazuya and Devil Jin. And number three was Brawl Pro with King and Armor King. King of Fighters 2013 only had four placers, you know, so we'll do, the, we'll do all four of those just because <laughs> there were only four in the entire event. Um, Luis Cha finished with Kim, Shin, and EX Lori. Um, Mario E with Mai, Terry, Kenso, and others. And uh, Pedro with EX Lori, uh, Binamaru, and Mr. Karate. I, that name kills me. <laughs> Gets me every time. Injustice Gods Among Us also had only four finishers. Uh, Sonic Fox with Batgirl, White Boy with Doomsday, Forever King with Batman, and uh, Darth Arma. It does not state who Darth Arma played with, though, in fourth place. Persona 4, Arena Ultimax, also had four placements. Uh, Banana Ken with Shadow Shadow Labrys. Um, DS Move with Sho. Uh, Axis with Ken and Ko, uh, Koromaru. And uh, Squirrel 147 with Chi. Um, Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3, which is the final game in the listing. Uh, top three finishers were Meow. I think that's Meow. It's Move 3 Owl. I don't even know how the fuck that's... <laughs> that, there is some, uh, some typing voodoo. Yeah, that sounds like uh, Meow. With Human Smoke. Uh, footwork with Human Smoke, Ermac, Shang Tsung, and others. And Let's Get Acid, Reptile. That seems oddly... Yeah, uh, appropriate. <laughs> and then Pew Pew Pikachu with Human Smoke. <laughs> human Smoke and Cabal. So that, uh, that, that was uh, the... All of the winners for um, you know top three finishers and in some cases top four finishers. Now was now was there anything surprising about this in, in terms of the winners and also was do, do you think that there was what, what do you think is interesting or like well done about Combo Breaker in terms of um, the other the other tournaments we've talked about? Was not terribly surprising. Most of the people who finished um, who finished uh, top were expected to finish top three, so it wasn't anything that shocked most people. I think Justin Wong has this uh, crazy following. 
uh, because of his his history with uh, you know the sort of Evo fight from years back with Daigo that sort of put the two of them on the map in the fighting game circuit. So he's got this weird sort of a uh, fixtured following that always roots for him to finish first, and he did really well at like Evo last year and always usually finishes top three in whatever he does, usually in first place even a lot of times. Um, so I think most of the people who saw upsets were a little more upset about him uh, not placing where they wanted him to, but most of the people who finished in the, the top spots are you know expected contenders, even if they're not usual contenders based on their performances in the last year and the various t- tournaments they've participated in. A lot of them are you know names that you know if you if you follow the fighting game community. So a few newcomers, but mostly mostly uh, standbys. So what's the takeaway from this? What do, so so what do we think is are the the key winning components to make up a good video game tournament? Not um, have Nintendo involved. Yeah. <laughs> or at least give them more time to do yes. it right. Yes. Yes. That's yes. It. Um, I think the reason the fighting game tournaments work so well is because there's a sense of community. The fighting game community is exactly yeah. that. Yeah. There's a big, I mean, even if you lose, it's almost like this, you know, 80s, like, you know, bro fist, like handshake, <laughs> kind of like, I lost, but I lost and you're my brother and it's awesome. You know, so like, uh, that, I don't know, the there's just, it's playful. It's playful. There's still the sense of like a spirit of playfulness with it. See? And it's fun to spectate that. See now I have like the 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 scene from over the top in my head with Sylvester Stallone. Well, <laughs> 80s fighting. I think I think it's important to have games on hand that are fun to spectate as well as uh to to have the players participate in because like MOBA games I know I know how they work. I've played them. I understand them, but it's like watching paint dry watching someone else play one of those. Right. Mm-hmm. Fighting games are exciting. You know what I mean? That's why I think yeah. fighting games work in that way. Um, but definitely more time to develop well, yeah. an event. For that, sure. that and like, Doc did it right with like the glam and the glitz, and you you keep the patrons excited too. See another you know? sense of community though. I mean, yeah. Yeah, Ghost yeah. Arcade has this almost like uh, um, they've got a community, a very yeah, strong community. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> so, communal. You know, now that you put it that way, I think that was the main thing missing from the Nintendo World Championship it was Championship qualifiers. It was about them and not about the players. It yeah. wasn't about the people who were their fans. It was all just about there was no joy. come play our games, come check us out. Not yeah. this is for you. I think that's so, the difference. So, so basically, you got your uh, your uh, DLC code that you hate so much for user one five five. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um. So, so that's uh that that those those are some uh some tur- tournaments that uh, took place here in Illinois. Uh, some good, some bad, some awesome. <laughs> And uh, let's see what you guys have to say and what you guys would do if you were putting together a gaming tournament. For our mailbag question for this week, we asked, describe your ideal video game tournament. What what kind of games does it have and what makes it unique? Uh, So for our first uh, response, we've got Matt Elfring saying, just give me beer and a controller. I don't care what I'm playing. That sounds like a, a great night to me. Yeah, yeah, I'll turn them in anything with a beer and a controller. Yeah, for the love of the game. Yes. <laughs> and the beer. Uh, Dan Hockey <laughs> says, uh, Dragon Quest tournament of grinding for eight hours, killing only blue slimes. Now, that sounds like the opposite of a fun time. That tournament. sounds like a, uh, a, a throw a dart and hit a JRPG kind of thing. <laughs> uh, Brian Lesser says, The Elfring Invitational. Uh, gather the 20 best bump and jump players around the world for a chance to win a cash prize. Players will be judged based on high score and how long they last with one token. Excellent. One token? One token. Damn, that is Elfring. <laughs> Excellent. Danny Meckler says, The best video game tournaments are when you have to compete, uh, when, um, when you have to complete something in the real world, too. I love the concept of DUI Mario Kart. Well, hang on a second. <laughs> 
Gamerhead Radio does not just just drink safe, people, and drink smart. Um, but uh, unless you're playing Mario Kart, uh, sure. then just get shit faced and see what happens. But he says in the real world. But he, he so he says I love the concept of DUI Mario Kart, where you have to race a track in Mario Kart and finish a whole bottle of beer before the okay. So you aren't actually driving a no. car. You're okay. Got it. Got it. Got the it. real world is you're getting sloshed, okay. and then you're going into Mario Kart and trying to drive. Okay. I'm on board. I'm down. <laughs> um, the only catch is you have to slow down and pull over to the side of the road to start drinking because drinking and driving is illegal. My terrible idea is to try and speedrun a Donkey Kong Country game, only avoid all the bananas. For every banana you collect, you have to eat a real banana. Ooh. Mm. Ooh. That's, mm. that's, that's a lot of potassium. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, but, uh, so, so hang on a second. So it's, it's, you have to finish a whole bottle of beer before the end of the, the, the race. Oh, but you have to pull over to drink the beer. Mm-hmm. I got it. Okay. So you so. know me, I would just... I just slam the beer first and then yeah. see what happened for the next three laps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that's what I would do as well. You pay your money and you take your chances. <laughs> if I finish first or fall asleep, we'll see. Uh, that's what I. That's what would happen to me. I'd fall asleep <laughs> sitting up. Sounds about right. I'm one of those people that when I play like uh, longer games, anything that's like you know later at night and it's long, I'll wake up running into the wall. All right, so we have a couple. Uh, we have a couple uh, voicemails, as well. So uh, I have not listened to these yet. So this it's, should be uh, they're always elfring. always it's interesting. Elfring? Oh God! Hey, um, Charlie and uh, Adam and I think John's the other guy's name. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, Matt Elfring. Um, I I think I have a, a few things to say about what you guys said about me this past week. Um, yes. I may have been allegedly in charge of numerous marketing campaigns at Acclaim Entertainment. Um, <laughs> but due to the NDA that I have recently signed, all I can say is uh, my time there uh, was great and uh, my ideas were well received. <laughs> now, as for the idea that uh, my suggestion wasn't serious about about this next-gen bump-and-jump game, which, by the way, Charlie, it is not Kickstarted. Uh, it, it is, it is, I'm working with a claim on this one. Uh, we're going <laughs> straight to Xbox One. I'm very, very excited. It's not all I can say about it this week. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I do have... I'm not keeping this short at all, by the way. Uh, I do have some uh, some pitches. Uh, this is my last adventure with Acclaim Entertainment, and, I, and there's got to be somebody in the industry that listens to your show. Um, Several, I'm sure. I mean, I know your your show is awful, <laughs> but like there has to be someone in the industry, even if it's like some d bag making indie games. Um, so my first pitch, my pitch of the week for you guys, uh, it's a brand new game. Uh, next gen consoles, we're going Xbox One, PS4. Uh, we're not going with you on this one. Sorry, kiddos, this ain't your daddy's game. This is for the new wave. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. I got the log line wrong. Uh, Sorry, kids. This game's for daddy. Okay, that kind of sounds up to me. I gotta rework that. Um, <laughs> so it's uh, called. Uh, it's, it's very mature. We've already got a rating on it. Uh, next gen. Uh, Nancy Drew Mysteries. Uh, colon. Uh, the Beats in the Fire. Now, I don't know what you're thinking. Next gen Nancy Drew game. That sounds like a load of horseshit. You know what? Well, you sound like a load of horseshit. Uh, Nancy Drew has solved so many mysteries as her time as a fictional uh, literary character. And I think it's time to bring it into the next-gen game console. Now, Beats of Fire, or Fire Beats, whatever I said earlier, uh, <laughs> there is uh, old house burned down, old barn. There was no one in the barn, guys. Don't worry. Uh, 
and it's up to Nancy Drew to figure out who burned down the house and why. And you're probably wondering, what's the beast thing about? I don't know. There's no beast in this game, but it's it's a riveting game. It's point-and-click adventure, which we all know uh, that's where everything's going again. Monkey Island came out on 360. People ate that shit up. So point-and-click, Nancy Drew game. Um, everybody is voiced uh, by Terry Crews for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, even Nancy Drew. Because Nancy Drew is actually in, in it, too. Um, so that's... Uh, it's not getting Kickstarter. It's going to be out. Never, apparently. <laughs> there is a second part. I, I believe, that, yeah. That that, I think that expl- explains the second voicemail here. Hey, uh, Gamer Hair Radio. This is, uh, this is Matt Elfring. I'm, I'm here to pitch yet another great game to you guys. Uh, if anybody out there in the industry is listening... Um, you can follow me at Inferior Eagle on Twitter, uh, and that's it. I don't want you contacting me any other way other than Twitter. Um, so the new game, guys, uh, sci-fi. It's heavy. It's first person. It's open world. This game is called NetScan. Um, and what you're thinking right after that, net, internet, you're in the web. No. You're thinking scan. Scanners. Brain scan. None of that. Uh, you play as a young, voluptuous woman in her early 20s who has to make an important decision. <laughs> you know, and that decision that she's got to make that's going to change her life is what is she going to watch on Netflix? <laughs> For the first person game, you sit down on your couch and you scan through Netflix and try to find something to watch. Uh, it's got about 60 hours of gameplay. Uh, you don't actually get to watch any of the movies because of, uh, you know, rights to the movies and stuff, but you can totally scan through Netflix. You're like, what am I going to watch? I mean, it's all something, it's something we've all done, but in your wildest fantasy, would you ever pick, I don't know, a late night comedy? Maybe something <laughs> with some nudity in it that's a little zany. Maybe that, uh, maybe a drama. Maybe a super intense drama. Uh, watch the King's Speech. I don't know. Uh, so NetScan, uh, if you want to pick this game up, please just hit me up on Twitter, at Ego. That's, uh, my picture of the week. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Elfring, our our th- our hidden feature for the week. <laughs> <laughs> he phoned in the feature. Yeah, uh, and yeah uh, it's, it's too bad his uh, his initial voicemail. Apparently, there's a three minute limit on the voicemail. He's not even aware of because nobody's talked that long yet. <laughs> well, that's true. Well, you wanted people to start using the voicemail. Uh, I, I be careful what you ask for. That's I guess. right. The uh, especially with uh, Mister Inferior Ego. That was impressive, Matt. That's that was true. impressive. Netscan, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. That sounds like 60 I, hours I of enjoyable time. I've already played that game multiple times. Um, but we are 20-year-old voluptuous female. Yeah, yeah. I've played that game multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> well, then. <laughs> so moving on to the Songbird email. Um, so she says, uh, Dear Tectotronic Grand Goat and Fallen Flynn, uh, mailbag answer, in the spirit of Nintendo World Championship, the game would be a combination of Nintendo Land and Mario Party, but in the style similar to several shows like Nick Arcade, Legends of the Hidden Temple, and Guts. Ooh, I'm loving oh, this idea. This is, yeah. this is doing, yeah, yeah. We're, we're already to a great start, Songbird. Yeah. Um, by the way, those shows and the championship were all at Universal Studios. Yeah. Yep. Um, at Nickelodeon Studios in Universal. Yeah. Uh, I would love that. That would be yep. amazing. 
Um, and she goes on to ask, uh, apparently Kevin Piero, the one guy from Attack of the Show, from that one channel, G4, might be hosting the 2015 Nintendo World Championships. Who do you think it should be instead? Um, definitely not Jamie Kennedy. Definitely <laughs> not Jamie Kennedy. I'll agree with that. Um, I don't know. Who does Nintendo like have a relationship with? You know, I know that they, they, they couldn't afford him, and I know that, that it would be very difficult to talk him into doing... Or maybe not. I don't know, because he's such a big gaming enthusiast. But um, I think Jimmy Fallon would be good for something oh, like that. Oh, yeah, that would be Because he's so good. big into gaming, and he's yeah. always featuring it on his show. Seriously. Fred Savage, have him do it. I mean, that's, yeah. have the contender become the host. Not a bad idea. That's not a bad, a bad idea at all. That uh, that would, and he's not yeah. expensive like Fallon. No, I'm sure he's not. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't really think of a better answer than that. I mean, I don't, I don't have a particular problem with uh, Kevin Piera, um, but uh, yeah, Fred Savage would mm-hmm. be yeah. so appropriate. Yes. I, 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 I just can't think of anything better than that. Yeah. Or, or Ryan Gosling on a white horse. Or even though he's not big into gaming, he's really, really, really great with um, just public speaking and MC. he's just charismatic. I would love to see them get somebody like Kevin Smith to do it. You know what I mean? Just oh, sure, so sure. Yeah, like... Kevin Smith's not uh, child enough friendly for Nintendo. Yeah, that's uh, fine. You can edit it. He does kind of comic <laughs> book men. He does comic book men and he has to edit it and keep it safe on that. Yeah, you know? yeah. All very true. All right, and um, so thank you, Songbird, and for everyone else that responded to our mailbag question, we appreciate you all very, very much. Um, so, John, what do you have coming up this next week? Um, you know, or just uh, I, I, I took the week off, as I said earlier in the episode, to kind of just recharge my batteries a bit, um, a break from moving at uh, warp speed. But uh, we're going to have to start doing rehearsals coming up for this show we've got coming up at The Wire in Berwyn on uh, June 26th. Um, you know... If you need tickets, reach out to me. They're eight bucks a ticket from us. Uh, if you get them in advance, they're ten dollars day of at the door. It's a new venue and a new relationship we forged with this venue. So we we really would love to see people come out. You'll be helping us tremendously if you come catch the show. Um, and uh, if time permits, we're going to try to play some new material. We've been playing the same show for the better part of the last year. We revamp it usually once a year, sometimes minor adjustments twice a year. Um, and it's just time to, to build a new show. So I think that's that's all I'm doing for the next couple weeks here coming up. All right. And, uh, Goat, you have a big change coming up in your new future? Yeah, yeah, for nine weeks, I'm just going to go out on a warp tour. Nothing big and exciting. Yeah, yeah, it got completely run of the mill for... Yeah, I mean, for... just, it's, it's, you know, some people have a, you know, I work at Dairy Queen, I go on a warp tour. It's pretty normal. <laughs> <laughs> and, um... Which yeah, brings so... back the, uh, the Goat remote. So, uh... Yes. I apparently have a three-minute window now that I know of. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, give or take. Um, <laughs> you just do it in segments, you know, just, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll just call seven, eight times, give you a, sure. a feature. <laughs> Why the hell not? I mean, I could, I could, th- I could think of worse things. Um, I'm gonna, try, and, I'm gonna uh, try to see what I can get. I'm gonna try to see what I can get to uh, to yap on our phone line at Warped. So we'll see what I can conjure up. Sounds like a plan to me. And um, so speaking of uh, speaking of goats' impending departure, it should be noted that um, next week will be uh, which will be goats. Uh, so th- okay, so I should say the next episode to be posted will be Goat's last show before he goes off on tour, even though it's being recorded tonight. So, um, just... Yeah, a, little, uh, a little fourth wall breaking for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> little, I'll uh, be gone when you hear me next week. Yep, that, <laughs> that, that is true. Um, so our next episode to be aired um, will be our E3 prediction show. And we are we have uh, something special planned for you guys. We're actually bringing in a whole uh, a squadron, you might say, of, um, of Gamerhead Radio uh, B-Squatters. Uh, Damn to come near in. the whole roster. <laughs> yeah, everybody that was available, which yeah. is, uh, yeah, this, is, this will be the most uh, people we've ever fit in the studio before. So um, it, uh, it, it's going to prove to be a, uh, an, experiment, a, a, an experiment in chaos. An extravaganza. 
Bonanza. Yes, and so so next week's show um, will be going up. Pro- it should be going up on uh, Saturday morning, um, so that you guys have time to listen to it before E three starts on Monday. Um, and uh, so yeah, you guys, um, you know, we look look forward to that. It's going to be a really really good, really good time. And uh, yes, that will be Goat's uh, last show. So I'm sure we'll say it again next week. But uh, Goat, we uh, have safe travels on the road and um, be well and be safe or don't. Yeah, you know, whatever you be want. Be safe. To do. Well, <laughs> well yeah, I'll be back in August. <laughs> Yep, and uh, we definitely look forward to. So, so when you guys are writing in your questions, just uh, keep in mind that uh, Goat will be able to respond to your questions just the week after. So, if you have any questions about Warp Tour, if you or if you definitely want to go, uh, if you if you're planning on going to Warp Tour, just keep an eye for the guy who's uh, going to be walking around in a gamerhead T-shirt at every single as show, right? As much as I possibly can <laughs> until it starts walking on its own next to me. Gross. <laughs> Warp Tour is awesome. hot. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and if you guys want to get a hold of me and I'll, I can answer questions, uh, hit me up on my Twitter. So um, I'll answer them on the show as I get them. So my Twitter will be alive and well. So indeed. And uh, on my side of things, um, as uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm in the as I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm in the home stretch towards uh, MLP MSP, um, which I will be at when the next episode goes up on Saturday morning. I will be there from uh, from Thursday through Sunday, maybe even Monday, just depending on how I feel on Sunday night. And uh, Mrs. Technotronic or Michelle, my wife, will be there with me. And um, so. Uh, as I've said a couple times now, um, you know that weekend is going to be just awesome and amazing and exciting as it is. But if I were to get a gamer head high five or fist bump from somebody at the same time, just icing on the cake, cherry on the sundae, uh, it'll be uh, that, that would be fantastic. So you got cake and ice cream at this thing? It's a brony convention. Of course, we have ice cream, ice cream and cake. Screwed. What are you even talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching the wrong cartoons, man. That, 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 that is... I'm in the wrong world. I'm getting a hot, nasty <laughs> festival, and you're getting ice cream and cake. <laughs> <laughs> all are welcome sir all are welcome that and, there uh, you know what those are two perfectly uh very 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 accurate uh descriptors for you, each of you sweet and sugary <laughs> hot and nasty <laughs> there you John go call me hot that's true um sure and uh for my beer of the week um a um uh, Revolution Brewery has uh, has a has a series of beers that they call their um, their uh, their their backyard um, backyard brews. I think is what they're called. Um, and uh, basically, what they're is they're they're they take some of their normal beers that they then turn around and age them in bourbon barrels or, or other other various um, you know wood barrels and uh, just do in- interesting things with. And so uh, tonight we all had the chance to try uh, Grave Digger Billy, which is their uh, barrel aged uh, Scotch ale or wee heavy, depending on what you want to call it. And um, yeah, I've I've been hanging on to this one I think for about like six or eight months. It was Asian barrels for I think six or eight months. Also, in addition to that, before it was released, so you know this brew was this beer was brewed over a year ago, yeah, some time ago, and um, it's just been aging ever since. And uh, it is, I, I mean, I don't know, but you, uh, but about you guys, I think I'm on the same page with you guys when I say like it's you know for for a Scotch ale, which can be sometimes overly malty. Um, just the, the the bourbon barrel that it was aged, I think, just really mellowed it out and just uh, gave it this really just smooth, rich, yeah, it like was toffee super and like, smooth. Like, yeah, it, it felt like some like you could smell you could smell the bourbon in it, and then when you drank it, it didn't taste like that. The aftertaste had more of the toffee flavor too. Yeah. It was good. And um, I, I should correct myself. Um, this was aged for eleven months in Woodford Reserve barrels. And Ooh. so, um, so yeah. So now, a quick, quick question. Call me stupid if you want. Uh, okay. No, please. <laughs> or ignorant. Ignorant would be the best term here. And for the listeners, too. So this is like repurposed beer? Like they make beer and then they put it somewhere else for a different... So, so t- typically what happens is when you age beer in... Um, 
in uh, in barrels. Whether or not so 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 when you age beer in barrels, first of all, that doesn't necessarily imply those barrels had anything in them before. Sometimes it's, you just want the oak or just whatever the wood oh, is the from the barrel. Wood, okay. Yeah, um, but uh, a lot of the time, most of the time, it probably um, that barrel was used to um, you know to make whiskey or bourbon yeah. or uh, or you know whatever else. And that's soaked into the wood, right? And then you get sometimes that even tequila. I mean, I think I've seen beers aged in every kind of liquor barrel that you could possibly imagine. Makes sense. Um, and it's just uh, it's just a matter of just getting that flavor, you know, infused into the beer, really. Okay. Um, the, was, uh, this, these were existing beers they had before, and then they put them in these barrels? Yes. Um, okay, that's yeah. where I was getting confused. So it's basically they're taking their existing brew and then being like, well, let's do one more thing to it. Yes. Okay. Um, I, I can't remember the name of the beer off the top of my head, but they have a Scotch Ale that they make just normally. Okay. Um, and then, so this is that beer further aged in 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 this case woodford reserve barrels so yeah okay so that's so, why i like so, it i love woodford reserve so, oh, the, so this is go. the uh this is the game plus version of beer basically yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah now i mean so sometimes you know you know you know like now this isn't always the case i mean like sometimes they'll brew a beer with the specific purpose of just putting it straight into a barrel and just that's it well, yeah. of like uh, for example like goose islands bourbon county i mean like i don't think that would, whatever the beer is that they you know whatever that formula is it's made for I don't, that barrel exactly yeah. i don't they don't release that as yeah. far as i'm aware having not been aged in barrels yeah. i mean that's just not what they do um so it just depends mm. um I'm just and, gonna get uh, the idea of this backyard thing. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but uh, but yeah. So uh, Grave Digger Billy from uh, Revolution Brewing in Chicago. Um, really, really, really good stuff. Awesome. And uh, so for next week's show, like we said, oh, uh, now we um, we are recording next week's show tonight. So uh, we've already collected your mailbag responses for that. So those will be included in the next show. Thus, mailbag one and two. Exactly. <laughs> um, but for the next next show, we will be recording that after. Um, I believe on the Wednesday, I think we agreed, John, yeah. of um, the Wednesday after all the E3 news the has 17th. happened. Mm-hmm. Correct. And so um, the uh, we're, we're not going to do a mailbag for that show. We're just going to be covering the E3 news. Um, if you guys, so, so there won't be a direct mailbag question, but we'll just say if there's any questions that you have related to all the news that comes out in E3, if you weren't clear on something, if you're not really sure what something is, uh, let us know and we'll see if we can answer your questions. Um, so the next show that will air after this one will be, like, like we said, on Saturday and that will be our, about our predictions. After that, on Wednesday, um, we'll be recording the, uh, the news roundup, which will hopefully go up on probably Friday. And then uh, the ne- the next following show after that will be our our uh, our dissection and our dissemination of all of everything to E three after we've had time to digest it, and so um you know that will be recorded you know the further Sunday after that back on back on our normal schedule, um so yeah so uh the our only mailbag question is for next next week um is just do you have any questions about everything that was announced at E three so um, we'll be asking that question online once the news has actually come out so just keep an eye out for that um and so yeah. So with all that being said, if you've liked what you heard, you can find us at GamerHeadRadio.com, at Facebook.com backslash GamerHeadRadio, at Google.com backslash plus GamerHeadRadio, and on Twitter at GamerHeadRadio, where I'm at T-E-K Charlie. Goat is at Sir Goatsworth. Uh, make sure to follow him on Twitter and Instagram for all his uh, Warped Tour uh, debauchery. Uh, sure. That, <laughs> let's go with that. And John is at the Fallon Flynn. Uh, email us at editors at GamerHeadRadio.com or call in and leave us a message at 94926Gamer. Uh, you can join Goat in his Goat remotes. Uh, download the official GamerHead Radio app from Google Play on Android or subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, YouTube, Twitch, or with your podcast downloader of choice. Thank you very much for listening. This has been yet another episode of GamerHead Radio. Bring on E3! Woo! Woo!
next time on Gamerhead Radio. Today on Gamerhead Radio, we bring the B-Squad together to talk about our predictions for E3 2015. Gamerhead Radio starts now! This is Goat's last show before he goes out on the road. Silent Hills will be picked up by Activision. Instead of being a spooky horror simulator, Bobby Kotick will sell it as an annualized arcade skateboarding game played with a Guitar Hero controller. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm really hoping that um, some developers' spouses have heard my... My plea for celibacy until we have two-player equality. Three things they're going to talk about the most is PlayStation View, PlayStation Now, Morpheus, and then they might show off like a couple definitive editions that are going to be coming out, and then like one or two new games. This episode of Gamerhead Radio is sponsored by Arcade Brewery from Chicago. We're very excited to have them on as a sponsor. Yay, Lion Chocolate! (laughs) (laughs) All right, I thought Coco Nibs sounded like a Pennsylvania strip club. I'm going to spend my ass... To make sure that he makes a sketch of Batman fist bumping Fallon Flynn, and I will never give it to you. Can Asians be charlatans? <laughs> Good question. Uh, Metroid Sofa, where uh, Samus saves the universe from her couch. Uh, we could go even further from the 2DS and do a 1DS where it's just a flat piece of paper. <laughs> paper Mario is fantastic. <laughs> it's so lifelike. Beautiful segue. I told Megan, I said, my fucking jeans and my balls were out. I think the guy saw my balls. 